This is the Dave and Shecky Show. We got this groovy podcast for ya. Reviewing crazy tunes or quoting Twain and Sting and Doom. We'll bring ideas to share like bonus points for extra flair. Cause it's the freaking Dave and Shecky Show. Show. We're bringing you this groovy review. We might preview movies, bake some bread, or drink some smoothies. So come on, have way too much caffeine. You roll up some rivers, I'll reference some Raffi. This is the Dave and Shecky Show. Hi. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 21. 21 of the Middle Aged Cool Kids super terrific podcast featuring your pals. Uh, the Dynamic duo brother team of Richie and Sam Bora. All right. I guess I would be Sam Bora. I'm Richie Bora. I understand. And uh, we play a bad John Bon Jovi. Uh, oh, should we start again? Yeah, because let's start this one again. No. I don't like Richie Bora. You know what? Too huh? late. Too bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got to live with Richie and Sam Bora. Because I want people to realize just what happens here all day if you open your mouth enough words come out okay that sounds great today's episode is all about oh it's all about uh the funk funk i was gonna come up with something really clever but i think funk is clever enough so I guess what I'll do, I'll start off with the Wikipedia definition of funk. That's a horrible thing. Well, it seems like it was written by a, a nerd, so I'm not sure if uh, if you'll agree, but it doesn't, to me, it didn't really... Um... Who's the Star Wars nerd? Who is the Star Wars nerd? You mean the, the character in Star Wars who's also a nerd? No, MC, what's his name? Oh, what? MC Frontalot? Oh, no, 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 MC no. Chris. MC Chris. There we go. Yeah, yeah. My name is Boba Fett. And you if, know my shit is if tight. If it's not written by him, I don't want to hear a nerd talking about funk. He's the only funky nerd I want to know. I love MC Chris. He sends people candy. He sent me candy. <laughs> I guess that's how you know. Uh, it says here from Wikipedia, funk is a music genre that originated in African-American communities in the mid-60s when African-American musicians created a rhythmic, danceable new form of music through a mixture of soul music, jazz, and rhythm and blues. Hi. Do you agree with that so far? Uh, that sounds pretty clinical. Funk de-emphasizes melody and chord progressions used in other related genres and brings a strong rhythmic groove of a bass line played by an electric bassist and a drum part played by a drummer to the foreground. Yeah, yeah, that's a demeaning way of putting funk. Like much of African-inspired music, funk typically consists of a complex groove with rhythm instruments playing interlocking grooves 
and funk uses the same richly colored extended chords found in bebop jazz, such as minor chords with added sevenths and elevenths, or dominant seventh chords with altered ninths. Oh my God. <laughs> this is Good. a retarded approach to funk. You see, the funk is a living creature, about the size of a medicine ball, but covered in teeth. Came from another planet and landed on Bootsy Collins' house. Back then, Bootsy was just a simple farmer, but he took one look at all those mauve titties and he lost his mind. He began to milk the funk. Shit, this ball producing some sweet cream. Made himself a funk shake. Raise the Lord. He began to feel fizzy inside. He found he could see round corners. What the? Suddenly, he passed out. But when he came to, Maybe he was slapping a bass guitar fast and loose like some kind of delirious funky priest. Oh, yeah. Can we just cut to the chase quickly? One, three, four, one, two, three. And you hit on the one, one, you know, one, you know. And then you would try to fit your different notes, what you felt in between that, like, <laughs> you know, and that's the funk, you know. And you can change that. You know? You know, it's however you feel, but you just have to fit it between that space, that little space that you got, which is one, two, three, four, one, two, you know? Four, one, two, three, four, one. And then you go back to your funk. Here you go. One. And then you want to break it down. Break down. One, two, three. You know, and there you go. You got your basic funk formula there. You know, you can do anything you want to do with it, you know? Well, that's Bootsy. Now, I don't see how you can uh, possibly define funk on Wiki- in Wikipedia. Because, first of all, funk is a many-faceted creature. Oh. As uh, the mighty Boosh might indicate. Is it a space alien with tits? It is definitely a space a product of space. The mothership. Now, but the thing is, funk's been around longer than funk's been around. What do you mean? <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, funk used to just be, you know, dirty, dirty jazz music. You know what I mean? Like, jazz musicians are, are the people who invented funk, basically. Mm-hmm. Maybe blues guys, but not really. That's just blues. You know, like, some of the first funk is... <clears throat> Horace Silver. And back then, funk was more swing-oriented. Some say that uh, Filthy McNasty is the uh, is one of the first funk songs. But it's not it's not recognizable as funk as Bootsy has just defined. Why would people consider Filthy McNasty the first funk song? Would, why wouldn't it be something like from uh, James Brown? Because I believe that Horace Silver is before James Brown. Funk used to be uh, a term that was, you know, like down home, kind of dirty, right. uh, not commercial, 
pretty gritty stuff, you know, stuff that you would see like in a on the Chitlin circuit, like in small bars in the South. Music that, you know, white people wouldn't mingle with black people and watch together, that kind of, like, dating back to then. There was white music and there was black music, and some of the black music was kind of funky. But it doesn't mean that it was like a groove like Bootsy Collins is talking about. I see. It start. It started a, a little smaller than that. It started with a song like this from Horace Silver. Yeah, even before this. I mean, it started. You know, it probably started. You could. Uh, you could definitely argue that. You know, something like. Uh, I'm sorry. What's his name? The blues guy. Uh, the Crossroads. You oh, could argue, Robert Johnson? Yeah, exactly. You could argue that that might be like some of the first funk in terms of essence. Like, very gritty, kind of dirty. So funky it's out of tune, you know what I mean? Like, funk is like there's dirt all over your instrument. That kind of funk. Like, you know, there's a reason why someone funk also relates to like a bad smell and like shit that's kind of like fucked up. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, funk became a thing, but it it was just, it wasn't so defined back in the day. And like I was about to say, like even now, or even since the 70s, it's not, there's all kinds of different funk and a lot of different, uh, back before the internet, shit was regional. So, you know, areas have different sound. There was different funk in different areas. Philly funk, uh, oh. know, uh, Miami funk, Oakland funk. New York funk, Ohio funk, you know, that's why, you know, the Ohio players sound completely different than, you know, a band from New York City or even P-Funk. Right. Who was from Plainfield, New Jersey. Ah. <clears throat> so, yeah, funk is, uh, funk is, is a lot of things. Well, what was the first? You should know it when you hear it. What was the first mainstream funk song, do you think? Oh, man. I don't know. Like you better know. Shit. I mean, I'm thinking you're coming back to James Brown at that point. If you listen to James Brown, honestly, like James Brown, his original stuff is not really funk. What is it? It's like soul music. I see. And he was a balladeer as well. Like, you know, it's a man's world. Yes. It's like ballad soul. So when he and was in that show in 1964 doing all that funky stuff. That, he just started doing it then. That's, oh, is that true? Now, now we're going to get into James Brown after this because you got to take a step back from Bootsy Collins. Right. Bootsy Collins was 17 years old when he joined James Brown's band ah. in, I think, 1969 with his brother. Oh, so late. Yeah, so James Brown came into town, fired his band... And hired the local band at the recording studio that was like rehearsing or hanging there or something. And uh, so James Brown, although I don't really believe that he started off as a funk artist, he kind of innovated funk. 
Yeah, this is funk back in the 60s. But funk changed pretty drastically between this <clears throat> and 10 years later in 1974. Like, this funk is upbeat and optimistic. And then funk kind of got cut in half and got real slow and dirty and almost like like drugged out or something. Like the drugs took an effect on funk. And even though they're really influenced by James Brown, like it got way like almost more depressed or something. Really? Yeah, like you can compare like this funk to like what he was doing 10 years later. And it's almost like half the tempo and it gets all political and angry. Ah. See, like once Martin Luther King got shot and all those people got assassinated, the funk got political. Yeah, it started to get more outspoken, started, you know, become aware of people's rights, um, political and socially conscious. And this, this song is, a, is, I think, an example of that. And he kind of influenced everyone after him. This is Sly and the Family Stone from 1967. Um, do you think, were they always political with funk? Or? They're definitely some of the first. I think Sly is definitely one of the first. Sly is one of the uh, first outspoken ones, for sure. Sly was uh, radical, you know what I mean? He, like, uh, crossed over to white people. He appealed to white audiences big time. Even though he was singing, uh, or did they not know what he was singing about? Mm. Well, Sly's not a racist or anything. He was no singing about, he was, yeah. yeah, he's singing about you know equal rights for everyone and you know, and everyone having a chance, basically. Mm-hmm. Did people like the music because it was just fun to listen to, or were they really digging on the message? I think it was a combination for gotcha. sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, Sly is a direct uh, result of acid coming into music. Gotcha. So essentially, you know, James Brown opens up to Sly and Sly and Jimi Hendrix combine and create Parliament Funkadelic, basically. Right. The influences. Yep. Exactly. So while while Bootsy Collins was playing with James Brown, Mm -hmm. George Clinton was just coming out of his phase as a barbershop quartet, essentially. Really? I believe that... No, wait, wait, I'm... 
I think I might be confusing myself. Okay. He was a barber, and they had a acapella group. Okay, cool. So, sort of in there. Anyway, these they had an acapella group from Plainfield, New Jersey, very rough part of town type of thing. Somehow they started playing instruments, or they got with people who played instruments. I mean, George doesn't really play an instrument. He's mm-hmm. not really... He's just kind of the orchestrator and singer. Uh, from what I'm told, you know, basically they were getting more popular in music and getting more into it as psychedelic music was coming out. Somehow they either saw or opened for Cream and were so influenced by the big crowds and the, the wild clothing and Jimi Hendrix, who was in fashion at the time, that they switched from being pretty much like a R&B acapella group to a psychedelic funk group. Basically, I think they ate acid and they got their minds blown and they changed just like everyone did. So what were they, like a 1960s boys to men? Yeah, yeah. You, I think there's recordings of George Clinton from like maybe 1959 and it's like it sounds like 50s music if I'm not mistaken. Take your gum away. So it looks like the the parliaments were a doo-wop group like every other group at the time. Yeah, that this sounds is, like the uh, coasters or something. This is Daisy May from 1959, The Parliaments. Yeah, and singer uh, George Clinton. Being that they were black, they were essentially never going to be uh, successful like white groups of the same ilk at the time. Um, this is all just a, this is like all circum, you know, just a matter of like luck and circumstance that they became what they became. Do you really think that it was because of white groups? I just think that, I mean, just, just, there were plenty of black groups that were popular at the time. I just feel that there were so many of these groups, regardless of color, that they all sounded so much alike that I don't know that a color would matter so much. Uh, I think it would. I think Elvis Presley made it because he was white. I think he covered black music and that was better versions of it that just never even got radio play or exposure because they were the black. Absolutely. I think Pat Boone and uh, Jerry Lewis... Jerry Lee Lewis, way more popular at the time than Little Richard because they were white. Okay, so you, you I was, see, I always thought Little Richard was very popular. He was popular, but he would have been more popular. That, and he was a fucking lunatic. Wow. But, um, George Clinton, I believe, has been interviewed, or someone, people have to do with Parliament, are de- definitely credit Cream and Jimi Hendrix and Sly Stone as the reason they became what they became. So it just blew his mind yeah. and they went from Daisy May and to... Yep, pretty much uh, over a short period of time. You know, you can hear like uh, 
I mean, hit it and quit it is absurd. And that's like, that's a pretty good early example of uh, after they had taken LSD. One of their first albums as a funk band? Uh, yeah, that's one of the early ones for sure. Maggot Brain is pretty fucking uh, famous. <clears throat> um, but you can hear there like the rock influence. You can hear the uh, yeah. Hendrix Cream sort of riff influence, almost like a funky uh, Led Zeppelin type of thing. And of course, Led Zeppelin, insanely influenced by James Brown. Really? Yeah. What? Why? John Bonham is hugely influenced by that drum style. He's basically an English funky drummer. And just check out the crunch where uh, Robert Plant says, Has anybody seen the bridge? Take me to the bridge. I can't find the bridge. And that's just a, a direct nod to James Brown because he always goes, Take it to the bridge. And they go to the bridge of the song. Take it on. Founded bridge. The crunch. It's a, that one's in uh, odd time signature too. Signature too, like nine eight or something. It's fucking weird. John Bonham, number one on most people's list. John Bonham, way funkier than people realize. Anyway, without James Brown, there would be no Led Zeppelin as we know it. That's for sure. That's insane. Yeah. Okay, so you so who do you think slowed down the funk? You think that was Sly Stone? <laughs> Slowed down the funk? All right, now here's what happened. Okay. The acid happened. All right. Pot and acid took over. Okay. And cocaine. And this was what, late 60s, early 70s? Mid 60s. Mid 60s. Pot and acid in the mid 60s, followed by the cocaine in the mid late 60s. Okay. Now, after the cocaine, people turned to heroin. And heroin starts kicking around 1967, 68. Now heroin's always already always been popular in the jazz circles, but it, right. But then, like you know, hippies, which comes from hipsters, jazz, also started doing dope heroin. So heroin fucked everything up. Well, yes. cocaine fucked everything up, and heroin put the knockout. So the music went from being optimistic and upbeat to something you would nod out to and uh i can give you an example like you heard that sly stone song underdog now that's a fast upbeat song mm-hmm. and he's known for his fast upbeat shit like all his stuff in the 60s was like upbeat and you know positive and ridiculous like way funky right uh like you know dance to the music sing a simple song all that shit whatever take you higher uh, i want to thank you for letting me be myself again 
Well, see, now that's that's when it changed. Oh. Now that's starting to change. That's already 1968. Now check this out. By that time, Sly was so drugged out that he didn't even have a band. His band quit. Half the band quit because of the uh, entourage that Sly was hanging out with, oh, like uh, Black Power Cats with guns and shit, you know? Oh, shit. So like... The uh, Panthers? Greg, Greg, well, out, you know, out, outer circle, those kind of people. Like fucked up people, like basically Larry Larry Graham. Larry Graham quit the band. He's the bass player, great great bass player. Went and formed uh, Graham Central Station because he couldn't deal with Sly because Sly's out of his fucking mind, and the people around him were threatening Larry. Greg Arico quit the band as well at the same time. That's when Sly got that wonderful woman on drums, but he's not. She's not a woman. It's Andy Newmark. And then uh, Andy Newmark has beautiful hair. I'll just say I, that much. Andy for Newmark came into Sly's band and played one of the funkiest shit ever. And his his drums on that are are uh, legendary on mm-hmm. the album Fresh. Fresh is such a contrast from all of Sly's stuff before that, except for there's a riot going on, which is right before that. Now, there's a riot going on, like I said, his band had quit. Uh, There's a riot going on, it's basically Sly in bed or in his studio, the whole album just in his house by himself. That's why there is organ drum machine on it, because he was using, he didn't have a drummer. This is before Andy was in the band. He had no drummer. He had an organ with one of those primitive drum machines on it. That's why you'll hear Sly, basically one of the first people ever to use drum machine on recording. crazy thing is off of uh there's a riot going on he comes up with family affair and that was a number one hit i believe that was a number one hit and i think that's basically just sly with some background singers blood sticker than the mud it's a family affair it's a family affair but that that's when the funk turned to something else you, I've even seen interviews with members of Sly's band saying this. I think it's Cynthia Robinson, the trumpet player, talking about how funk changed from upbeat to nodding out. So yeah, funk got a little more uh, depressed. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of like uh, 
That's not very upbeat. It's no. funky, but it's still it's kind of depressed. And then, did he have any hits without the band? <clears throat> well, I don't know if there are hits, but he does have uh, If You Want Me To Stay, which is maybe one of his best songs. If you want me to stay, I'll be Everything on that album, fresh, is is great. It really is great. Is it? Is it? Is it? It's funky. It's slow. It's it, upbeat. Oh, it's, it's. Is it not out funk or is it? Maybe one or two of them, but it's really good. He's got a really good version of Kesara Sara on it. It's gospel, is what it is. It's pretty revolutionary, I'd say. favorites so when when did parliament funkadelic come into all this so yeah parliament comes in just around The whole show, the whole night, the crowd was nonstop dancing. It was insane. I, a really, really powerful show. I saw them also at uh, the Ritz one time. I think it was the Ritz. It wasn't Roseland. Anyway, uh, that was the show where uh, this naked guy just walks walks past me, and then two seconds later, I see him getting manhandled and thrown out a side door of the, of the club. And then uh, about three months later, I'm with uh, Pete and Pavel playing in uh, New Orleans. And this guy comes up to us and he's like, man, 
He's like, you guys are amazing, man. And he's like, Where, what, you know, what's your deal? Why are you playing on the street? We were playing on the street with the generator uh, to supplement our gig that we had with uh, the radiators. We were opening for them, but we were also playing on the street while we just, during the daytime. So we're like, oh, we're from New York. And he's like, oh, all the best bands down here from, from out of town. <laughs> anyway, he's like, man, I was in New York a couple months ago, man, and I fucking ended up naked on the street out in front of p <laughs> and i'm like dude that was you <laughs> and it turned out he was this really cool dude who we ended up like you know hanging out with all the time with first house but like it clearly was him the stringy haired uh, blonde blonde haired guy and i was like oh my god it was so funny that that was him that's hysterical <laughs> did you ask him why it was he was naked lsd oh well there you go mm-hmm Jeez, LSD never made me want to get naked. Yeah, that's different effects on different people. I guess it does. That's insanity. Well, yeah. he was having fun anyway, and got a story out of it. So yeah, so around 68, 69, George Clinton starts becoming a force in here. But look, this is the thing. George Clinton was so out there, and their music was so out of the box that they were, they were too crazy for black people, honestly. Like, black people, a lot of black people couldn't relate to them. Because they were on acid and black people weren't really taking acid back then as much as white people. It was like George Clinton was like playing to white people. It was like white culture. He was talking about black people, but like half of his audience was white. Now, don't get me wrong. They had a huge black following. But some black people were more into like the Commodores and Earth, Wind and Fire. Because like George was just fucking out of his mind. You know, not everyone could get down with the mothership. Well, all right. Start ya. Citizens of the universe, recording angels, we have returned to claim the pyramid. Partying on the mothership, I am the mothership connection. Get down in 3D, light year group. Why? Just too out of line, man. Too out of line. Like, you know, black people were, like, straightening their hair back then. You know what I mean? They were processing. They were trying to, like, fit, become, like, part of white society. And George was so out that it was beyond white society. They couldn't They couldn't assimilate to him. That's crazy. <laughs> That's my opinion. On the other side of things, you know, some of his shit is a little crazy. It's not, you know, it's so out there that it's less like, you know... Pop, I mean, funk music became like disco, and like there's a not a lot of room for rock and roll and funk when you want disco. So, it's really the difference between like acid and like no acid. What now for you? Sly Stone started doing political funk. Did these guys at Parliament Funkadelic also jump on that bandwagon? Or totally, what? totally more like a, yeah, absolutely. But theirs came off more like socially conscious, you know, like a social. Uh, commentary you know like chocolate city are you with me out there and when they come to march on you tell them to make sure they got their james brown pass and don't be surprised if ali is in the white house and reverend ike secretary of the treasure richard pryor minister of education stevie wonder secretary of fine arts and miss aretha franklin the first lady are you out there, CC? 
A chocolate city is no dream. It's my piece of the rock. And I dig you, CC. God bless Chocolate City and its vanilla suburbs. Can y'all get to that? But George always had an amazing sense of humor. So, like, you know, he, he, he was more concerned with having people dance than having people, like, you know, uh, protest. I, I see. But, you know, James Brown, like, you know, he's got the big payback, you know, like in, in black, uh, black President, you know, all that shit from, like, 1973. Like, James got real political. political before Martin Luther King was shot oh he wasn't not really I don't think so maybe if you want to consider it's a man's world political I guess yeah it morphs yeah that's social commentary that's pretty I, I social pretty commentary is I, but I think social commentary isn't all the way political no because I think there's a lot of songs that have social commentary yeah but it's there's a bridge there and see at this time Funk actually, I don't know why, maybe because of James Brown, maybe because of Sly Stone. I don't think because of George Clinton, maybe, but funk starts seeping into white music pretty heavily. And uh, funk starts seeping into rock. And rock and roll gets funky. Really? Rock and roll gets funky for four years, and then rock gets disco-y. And then rock dies with funk. Rock getting disco-y reminds me of one thing and one thing only. I was made for loving oh, you, I thought you were going to say uh, Missing You by the Stones. Or uh, Superman. No, I miss you. How about Superman by the Kinks? Is that funky? No, it's disco-y. Is it? Is it, is it more disco-y than <laughs> I was made for loving you? Yeah. So tell me and, some. And Blondie, like Blondie, is like disco rock. You know what I mean? Like they got they're supposedly all like alternative new wave. Well, they suck. And second of all, they're disco rock. I, I was I'm not on the band the Blondie bandwagon. Like disco cocaine infused wagon. rock bullshit. Anyway, what's the rock that was funky though? The rock that was funky. Uh, Dr. John, very funky white guy. Ah. Dr. John, uh, Lowell George, the funkiest. Lowell oh, George. So, uh. Little Feet. Little Feet. The man. George was was just great and absolutely funky as hell. Very funky. Also a great musician 
in, in lots of genres. So you're saying Little Feet is rock well, no, with rock and funk. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so, absolutely. And they're also a little bit New Orleans infused, but that's a little bit later. Because, I mean, Lowell's like a L.A.-based. He's a Los Angeles-based musician at that time. Uh, but yeah, they were uh, they were funky for uh, for what they were doing. They became funkier uh, when they got their black bass player and black conga player. Like when they lost their white bass player, they got a whole lot funkier. <laughs> uh, coincidence? I don't think so. But that's okay. So uh, Lowell was always funky. And then somehow disco, because of Saturday Night Fever, mostly right. Yeah, I mean, some say the first disco song is Fly, Robin, Fly. I don't know why they say that, but that's what I used to hear. Back when the rumors of uh, Rod Stewart and lots of semen were abound. That's bullshit. Yes, but the Fly, Robin, Fly might be right. But like, uh, you know, funk was like pretty cool, like around 1970, 71, 72. Like the Ohio players, like they're fucking amazing. Like they're great. How about, okay, um, just Googling uh, on the internet here, this seems to be the first disco song debate. Ktel Chick on uh, April 10th, 2003, wrote, I'm a firm believer that the first disco song was a little ditty called Rock the Boat <laughs> by the Hughes Corporation, but there are a few who may disagree. Now, I know... That's kind of a disco song. Yeah, what year is that from? 1974. Yeah, what year is Fly, Robin, Fly? I don't think it's... Uh, it's 73. So she can die, cunt, die. What is wrong with you? What? I don't know. It just seems like she doesn't know what she's talking about. This person says... Uh, there's, there's There are really two questions here. One is, what is the first chronologically, and what is the first as far as the first one that comes to mind? That's this. That is a moot point because no one has the same mind. Some a chronological fact. Mind is opinion. Well, what kind of person even? What is that? Dear to that person, you don't make sense. Now, in my opinion, uh, nineteen eighty-five never existed. Do the hustle was nineteen seventy-five. Fly, Robin, fly. Up, up I, to the sky. I, no one here is mentioning fly. Yeah, because they weren't fly. born back then. They don't know what I know. Okay, hold on. Let's see here. I'm going to look somewhere else now. One question that often comes up when talking disco and disco music, that's the speculations on the early disco songs and trying to come up to, and trying to come to a conclusion of which song was actually the first disco tune. Uh, this is discodisco.com. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Disco Duck by uh, Schmucky Schmuckerson. What was his name again? Rick Dees. What was his uh, last name? Rick Dees. I thought it was nuts. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of... Uh, let's see. Many tracks have been mentioned in regards to this proto-disco music, and there are many artists and songs aspiring to be the first disco song, and it's hard to choose just one. There are lots of great stuff from 70 to 75 that bridged between the 60s and 70s R&B and the emerging discotheque scene. Oh, fly or robin the fry. I'm looking here. Yeah, um, uh, cookbook. Japanese cookbook, fry, robin, fry. <laughs> I'm looking here. Okay. Yeah. 
Let's see. Here's the 25 first songs of disco. You have to the Ghetto Fighters or what? The Tramps, Zing Went the String of My Heart, gets 90% of the votes. Zing Went the Strings of My Heart? By the Tramps. It doesn't even exist. It's not a song. Let's hear it. Sounds made up to me. It's like Joe Mayo. It's a fake name. All right. Well, that's clearly disco. Oh, no, it's not. Even released in America? 1972? Yeah, that's not disco, though. In my, in my book, that sounds more like uh, R&B. Even with that? Yep. That's pushing it for disco. It sounds very R&B-ish. Uh, you know... Eh, it's it, that's there. Eh, okay, it's uh, eh. disco. Disco has that as the motherfucker. Dis- where's fly around the fly? Hang on, the bitch on the on motherfucker. Disco, disco has zing with the strings of my heart by the Tramps as the number one. The I guess the first disco song. Their number two vote is Cisco Kid, Me and Baby Brother, Spill the Wine by yeah. War. No. Number three, Freddy's Dead, Superfly. No, that's not disco. Number four, Jungle Fever. Number five, Want Ads. Number six, Let's Get It On. No. Seven, Love Train. That's that's not an innovation of disco. (laughs) So you're saying disco disco is wrong. They're wrong. Okay. We're getting off of Disco Disco. Uh, look up Fly, Rabbit, and Fly for a second. We. Hey, Fly, Rabbit, and Fly, would you? I do remember Do the Hustle and uh, Rock the Boat. Hey, I got one for you. Grand Funk Railroad, right? Oh, God. I don't know what they're doing here. Everybody's doing a, a brand new dance now. All right. The locomotion. I gotta say that hey. this song is not as early as... Hey, what year is it? 75? 75. Okay, I'm off, I'm off the charts here. You're t- Jesus Christ. It's not the song that is the first... Brand new Sammy Sosa. Sorry to say, no. Oh my God, I'm lost. Let me just say this. Your memory plays tricks on you, kid. It looks to me that Fly Robin Fly is a song by white women. Wait, wait. Uh, I think I made a mistake. I think you might have. I was talking about Disco Lady. What is... Oh, wait, no. I'm talking about uh, Disco Grady, which is another thing. Oh, Fred. I don't understand how a song that has the word disco in it already could be the beginning of disco. It doesn't make sense. They were oh. already disco texts. Well, the first Coca-Cola was called Coke Classic, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it was not. I think that we're going to have to give it to Rock the Boat. Uh, oh, my God, Dave. All right, well... 
I'll take Wait, it let's just give you a second to stop eating. All right. <laughs> I'm going to play this back for you because it's absurd. Okay. I'm ready. You're not, David. I, I, I can hear the food in your mouth still making its way around there. Oh, my God. No. Okay. Ready? So... Disco, disco.com might have been correct. Yeah, maybe they're not a cunt. Uh, I'm sorry. You're Listen. a wonderful person. Listen, before I forget. Uh-huh. Somehow, fate intertwined, yes. intervened. Uh-huh. And their paths intertwined. Uh-huh. And George Clinton yes. and Bootsy Collins became a force of nature together. When was that? I think that was about 1972, but I could be wrong. I'm just saying, once that happened, that made P-Funk a serious contender. authentic uh, ingredients from um, from James Brown because not only did he have uh, Bootsy Collins he also had Maceo Parker join the band in the horn section Maceo is the alto player for uh, all of that classic James Brown stuff do you have a beverage? shush Dave, this is what I'm hearing. Are you listening? Maceo Brown. It wasn't Maceo Brown. Bootsy Collins. Maceo Brown, now that's a good stage name. Thing is... Uh, Do you have a beverage? No. Okay. Maceo and uh, Bootsy... Is, teamed up with George and then the, you know like I said you have that solid thing there did they ever slow the funk down to not out funk mm, not so extremely I wouldn't say so you're they, saying Sly and the Family Stone are the ones that really slowed down and put out the not out funk yeah I mean that's kind of where the yeah yeah, I, I don't really feel like Bootsy and George did. No, they were more, if they got slow, it was more like a love ballad type of thing. I see. Uh, so, the thing about Bootsy is, he's all about on the one, as he explained. Everything with him is based off the one, mm -hmm. and it comes back to the one. And whatever you do in between, it comes back to the one. That's all rhythmically. So, that 
The P-Funk funk is all about the one. Alright. But there's lots of other kinds of funk that isn't about the one, and it's more about, you know, uh, other things, you know, uh, depending on where you're from. Like the Oakland funk is all about the 16th note type of thing, like Tower of Power. And Herbie Hancock, who was a straight-ahead jazz musician who was so influenced by Sly Stone that he straight-up changed his music to funk. And that's 16th note funk, just like Tower Power, like I said. Well, what is 16th note funk? You you know, you're talking to me and maybe other people who have no idea what that means. Uh, it's, the, you know, the uh, the rhythmic value, it's it's based off of 16th notes. So like most of it is ticket, 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 ticket. That's kind of like, you know, that is what, uh, you know, funk-wise, rhythmic-wise, that's what Jocko comes out of. Like all that uh, 16th note funk of uh, Oakland and the Bay Area, that's, that's, that's what leads to Jocko. 16th note funk is what funk became. James Brown wasn't 16th note funk. James Brown was more like patterns coming back to the one. I see. And that's what P-Funk turned into. But, you know, New Orleans music and and the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, it's something different. It's a whole other thing. I mean... New Orleans is a whole other thing. It's more, it has more of a swing to it and a swagger, and it's based on marching music. You know, marching bands that play with snare drums. Dixieland. Yeah, so it's all you know, it's all a lot of rudiment based you know patterns on the snare drum that became like <clears throat> originally you know it wasn't a drum set. It was a uh, one guy playing a bass drum and another guy playing a snare drum, and the two patterns intertwine. And then if you took that concept and applied it to a drum set, then you have like a funk on a drum set but it stems from marching band essentially where a bass would have been a tuba anyway that's that's New Orleans but the Oakland thing you'd have to hear it to hear what I'm talking about it's all in the bass and drums it's well, all it's the bass and drums can you give me an example so uh yeah go to uh uh Tower of Power, Rocco Prestia, and Dave Garibaldi. How about uh, Soul Vaccination? Soul vaccination is that Yeah, it's basically 16th note oriented Yep See, it's interesting, you know Like uh, All this comes out of jazz And like traditional jazz music Because Jazz beat was, you know Two and four where the hi-hat was And that's the pulse That's Mm -hmm. like swing music Mm -hmm. And then in the 60s Tony Williams changed that And like the energy that he had As a young kid playing that jazz he 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 made the hi-hat on every note instead of two and four he made it on every quarter note one two three four and it has more of like an eighth note kind of feel so that made jazz more driving before you knew it 
it lends itself to rock and roll and jazz and rock are kind of have the same beat and the same pulse. Hmm. And out of that <clears throat> came the 16th note field. So it went from two, four to one, two, three, four to one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a, that's the 16th. Mm-hmm. It went from ding, 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 to And then they took the dicky dicky and slowed it down in half. And you have the nod out funk of that's that's when you get into the drugs the drugs hit and you have that halftime funk that halftime funk would have never existed before it all changed you know what i mean <laughs> i think so now when so that that 16th note pulse that you have in in um oakland has nothing to do with bootsy collins it's not the same music they're both funk, but there's nothing. There's no. There's not. There's not much common there. What, well, what what is common? Just the the bass. I don't know how how you the would grit, put it. Grittiness. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you would put it. it. That is a really interesting question. I don't know how to answer that. I know they're both funk. <laughs> I know funk when I hear it. Okay. I know the origins of it. I know why it's funky. I just you can't put you put a finger on it. I uh, should we go back to that? It's gritty. It's dirty. It's gritty. It's funk. It's not. It's got a groove. It's groove based. It's dance music taken to an. You know what I mean? It's dance based. It's dance based, but not disco. All right. Let me ask you this. So we've established that disco started <clears throat> seeping in in 74. So funk had a not a very long life. That's true. And then disco started seeping in. And what, pray tell, is the difference between funk and disco? Well, just to mention on a side note, funk had a slight resurgence due to gangster rap. Ah, okay. But it kind of the... it kind of got taken out. A sampling, sampling and uh, and rap, you know, revived funk in a way. I got you, but what? Uh, so the the thing about disco is uh, it's four on the floor essentially. That's the main the main thing about disco is four on the floor drum beat. It's, the main thing is the drum beat. That's disco. Disco is drums and percussion. But doesn't it? It's you could have the same bass line, the same lyrics, the same. You take take any Bee Gees song off of Saturday Night Fever mm-hmm. and change up the drums and bass, mainly the drums, and it won't be disco anymore. It just won't, unless it's got guitar that's so strong locked in with the rest of the band. You know what I mean? So no. that's a that's a. Like what song? What what would it what would it be instead? Like well, saying "Staying Alive" is a is you know one of the kings of the disco songs, right? All right, play that for me for a second so I can refresh my memory.
it could be uh, it could be any kind of song otherwise the key ingredient there is the the beat is going for every every beat like I said Tony Williams took the hi-hat and changed it from two and four to one two three four uh-huh instead of going one two four two four it goes one two three four one two and then even one two three four one two three four well this is going boom 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 one two three four that that four on the floor kick drum is the main ingredient to disco music second to which is the 16th note hi-hat which is a leftover from funk but because white people were so stupid they thought they wouldn't be able to dance to real music like Herbie Hancock and Tower of Power or even George Clinton. They just wouldn't be able to they wouldn't be able to numb their brain enough to that groove. Disco took anything disco took what was good and funk and watered the shit out of it down so that white people could dance to it in a really simple way of looking at things. And look, back then there was no internet. Like I said, there was regional music and there was a big distinction between black and white music. There just was. Now there's not. There was then. So you think... Disco is is a product for, by white people. And if black people were playing it, it's because they're trying to sell out and make money. There's well, me, no way around it. Let me ask you this. Could it have not been... It could, could it have... Disco could have been a construct of the record business. Absolutely. Did they think that maybe the black people Absolutely. were too... Uh, I don't know. Were they being too black? They were, they, were they thinking funk was too yeah. jungly or something? And it's, that they, too, it's too separate. Too black? The, uh, white so they people homogenized don't, it? White people don't refer to their father as Papa and they're certainly not a Rolling Stone so you think that that's do you think it that was then that's pretty I don't know if it's political but it's definitely disco music hom- is like musical exploitation musical black exploitation look at it look at Donna Summers look who produced that who produced that? Uh, Neil Bogart. Oh, Neil Bogart. Casablanca Records. Casablanca Records. It was also the, you know, Bubblegum, the creators of Bubblegum Rock uh, with Buddha Records, and then uh, also just the most commercial thing possible with Kiss. Kiss. <laughs> you think Neil Bogart thought Kiss was was like in te- in like artistically no. in- integral or no. whatever? Had integrity? No. No. He's a fucking coke maniac who wanted to make as much money as possible. And that's a fucking known fact. I mean, that's, that hasn't changed with anybody in the music industry. <clears throat> the I mean, best... Uh, about the, making money, that is. Yeah. The best disco, if those two words can possibly go together, the most popular disco it was produced by a, a, a Italian white producer with a white guy playing percussion. think michael jackson was disco or do you think he had some funk michael jackson was he bringing back the funk? michael jackson was an r&b was part of an r&b group that was funky and then it became disco i see so he was funky but he wasn't you don't think he was putting out the funk 
Thriller is a lot closer to disco than it is funk, I hate yeah. to tell oh, you. Oh, really? The song Thriller? Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, PYT is, is pretty funky. Mm, bad? That's some disco shit. All right, so there's a... There's a line between disco and funk that is, I would say, for you, way more, way more obvious. Dance than machine is funk. The Mighty Boosh tells us that funk died in 1979. It really did. Everybody wanted a piece of the funk. Rick Wakeman, even the Bee Gees. Oh, give me that funky milk. One day, Parliament was traveling on the mothership, fooling around with the funk. That's it over. When George Clinton kicked the funk clean overboard. <laughs> oh, man. That was July the 2nd, 1979, the day the funk died. Why do they say that? Is that because what disco ter- uh, took over? Yeah. Disco drowned funk. Like I said, disco took disco took the the most user friendly concepts of funk and squashed them into disco. The rhythm guitar, the sixteenth note hi hat pattern, and then they somehow said, "Oh, well, let's just put this to a, a kick drum that has no variance, so that you can't lose the beat, because you're gonna lose the beat otherwise. If you lose the beat." You're going to stop drinking and buying records and you dancing. Know. Yeah. So here's your dance beat. Here's your Coke spoon on your chain necklace. Go be an idiot. All right. So what's the difference between dance music today and disco? MDMA. No, I don't know. I don't really follow it now. Now there's all kinds of crazy shit. It's like house and trance and hip hop and yeah, dubstep, dubstep, yeah, shit that I trap, something trap, trap music. It's all, you know. After a while, you got to give up on it. It has no funk in it. There's no funk to that. Mm, not to that. You, it's very hard for machines to be funky. Yes. You know, you can have a machine or two, but you got to be funky you know boots you could make a fucking washing machine funky but he's got to play on top of it you can't just have a washing machine right you can have the beat of a washing machine but you got to play some real human element on top of it right like you could play to a fucking windshield wiper but it can't just be a windshield wiper shit so these fucking windshield wiper dance bands they got no groove they got no pulse they got no human element there's no soul there's no, no soup no, no life force so is there a band today that is is trying to keep the funk alive? Oh yeah, I'm sure there are. There's lots of bands, lots of bands. I like Marcus Miller's new stuff. Marcus, Marcus Miller's got a great new, uh, great new uh, album out. And uh, how new? I think it's probably the last year or two. Great, he's got a great version of uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire tune. And by the way, we got to mention Earth, Wind, and Fire, one of the best funk bands. And they are, I'd call them second wave, like eh, two and a half. They're kind of like right after P-Funk, right after Sly Stone, but before a band like Mother's Finest or Ohio Players. So you're saying Earth, Wind & Fire, second wave, 
but yeah, definitely yeah. funk. Yeah, yeah. Earth, Wind & Fire is funk, but they're also really spiritual. See, that's the thing. Funk has lots, like I said, well, I didn't say it, but here, let's just say it like this. Funk has, you know, many aspects. There's socially conscious political funk. There's spiritual funk, like Earth, Wind & Fire. There's party funk, like P-Funk. You know, like dance funk. Mm-hmm. Disco took dance funk and watered it down. Said, let me get rid of political funk. Let's get rid of spiritual funk. We'll take party funk and, and make it more user-friendly. That's what happened. So I th- I thought Marcus Miller, he's a funk guy, not a uh, jazz guy. He is both. I see. Marcus is great. Bass players, you know, bass players are keeping funk alive. I think. Do you think it'll come back? Uh, I, you know, it's not going to go away entirely, but this is the thing. Because everything's so homogenized and, and blended together, it'll never really come back like it was. It's, it's just going to be... I mean, what about you? You used to you loved the uh, <clears throat> twenty four karat whatever, the Mark Ronson stuff. Yeah, that's cool. You know, you can listen to it a couple times, but it's pretty cheesy, honestly. It's pretty formulaic. It's good. It's good. I like him. Who Mark Ronson? Uh, no, I like uh, Bruno Mars. I'd say that song is one of his more cheesy songs. When you get down to it, he's funky, but he's more of a pop star. That's not funk, but he's funky. He's funky, but he's not funky. You know what I mean? He's he's too polished to be really funky. Uh-huh, gotcha. He's not, <clears throat> he doesn't have the dirt and grit of a real funk. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Flea is funkier than him. Flea, the bass player. Somehow, like, funk and punk are like, there's like a camaraderie there. Like, they're both, like, gritty and dirty and, like, unpolished. And you think that the the... The political funk led by uh, Sly Stone, do you think that is what morphed into gangster rap? Since they that's the mm. kind of stuff that they actually sample? Do you think that was the Not, influence? Well, only or on side of it. Once, only like the public enemy side of it. I see. Where did the other stuff come from? They're not thinking like that. I'm not oh, sure. Gotcha. I don't know. Like Run DMC, 1984, like when that came out, like, I think that, and I think that was the first time I remember thinking like, huh, rap music is getting political. Oh, really? Yeah. Like before that, it was all bragging. Now there's a lot of bragging on there, but I kind of feel like there's some socially like commentary on that, social commentary. I can't remember exactly, but I do remember thinking like, huh, this is the first time they're not like just all bragging about themselves. So if I was to ask you to pick one song that would be in in the time capsule to explain to generations or uh, life forms in the future, what is the song that embodies funk that would say, this is funk? What is that song for you? Shit. That's hard to say. You've got to say it. One song. Uh... Oh man, what's that? Uh... You should know it if it's a, if it's the song. You should just be like, "Oh, it's this song." I just don't think like that. 
I don't have one. Okay. Let's see. How about, uh, I would say a, a perfect example is, uh, God, what's the name? Who's the band? P-Funk. Okay. Uh, syndrome. Uh, what's the, uh, is it placebo syndrome? I can dig it. This is the star child. On another day, chasing the noses away. Protector of the pleasure principle. This is Star Child. Let me put on my sunglasses so I can see what they ain't looking at. That is your definitive funk song. That's pretty funky. I mean, that's that's funky in a P-Funk kind of way. See, I would think something like Brick House. First of all, let me just say one thing. Is that disco? Brick House is not disco, but it is very poppy funk. And if I were going to point to Commodores, I would point to the song Slippery When Wet. I like a lot more. You know, obviously, there's all kinds of funk, but that's that's really funky. And uh, with George kind of narrating it and doing his thing there, I mean, that's just the essence of that stuff. And uh, also, George Clinton was the pioneer of nursery rhyme funk. The pioneer, but maybe also the only one, because I don't know that I've ever heard of nursery rhyme funk. Yeah, so maybe. perhaps it wasn't just the pioneer, but the soul. He takes classic nursery rhymes and makes them dirty and funky. He's kind of one of the first rap rap guys in a way. So that's what I was asking you if funk was a forerunner to rap. Oh yeah, absolutely it is. Of course it is. Okay, you kind of said no. Oh, well, then I was I was on something else. Yes. <laughs> Funk is a forerunner to rap, but oh man, like shame, shame, shame on the black people, in what, my opinion. Which black people are those? The people who somehow let funk go. 
Uh. And replaced it with rap music. How? How? How do you replace the best musicians and the best singers with machines and mindless rhythmic rapping? I don't understand how you let the best thing go. Yeah, rock's dead, but funk's dead, and that's the problem. That's the real... Funk is dead, you morons. You replace funk with Cardi B. Ugh. Oh my God, what is wrong with these people? Nicki Minaj and Cardi B fighting is better than some old school funk. Well, the shame on you. Your yeah. generation sucks. Yep. If black lives mattered so much, how come you're not funky? There you go. Jesus, I'm funkier than half you motherfuckers, and I'm a Jew. Go fuck yourself. All right. Well, this has been our episode about funk, entitled Dave on Funk. And we're just scratching the surface. There's so much funk I didn't talk about today, I can't even begin to tell you. Well, perhaps we will do a Dave on Funk part two in the future. Greg Allman was pretty goddamn funky, all right? If you would like to listen to more of our episodes, um, someone on uh, Gab asked me if we have audio only. And yes, we do. So audio only, video, uh, it's all there at middleagedcoolkids.com. Um, also, we uh, our last episode, the conspiracies, dark secrets, and unsolved mysteries episode did really well on BitChute. Um, ridiculously well. So I'm here to say, if we can get 50 subscribers on BitChute, we will up our subscription to the $10 a month subscription. And if we can get 100 subscribers, we will go full in for BitChute Gold, for, uh, 20 bucks a month, because I believe in BitChute. I really do. I think they're awesome. I love that there's a free speech platform that no one has to worry about. We're not particularly uh, uh, controversial, but if we ever wanted to be, I'm glad that we have a home with BitChute. So get our subs to 50 and we'll go in for the $10 and 100 we'll go for gold. So uh, very appreciative of BitChute. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say about funk or anything? You have any gigs you want to plug? Uh, yeah, no. Okay. All right. Well, this has been another fun episode of Dave and Shecky. Oh, I got oh. one thing to say. Yeah. You know, maybe another time we'll do, we'll do more stuff on the funk. I th I've just said that before. <laughs> No, but I mean, you know, we could we could take it off into the you know, bass players, who are funky. Oh, okay. Who will pervade the funk, and I also got to give a nod out to. I did say that Jimi Hendrix was not a, a really a funk in, influence, but Band of Gypsies. You kind of said he was. Huh? Well, no, he was. Yeah, but that's more guitar wise. I see. It wasn't really a funk rhythm, but what he did, you know, when he got with Buddy Miles and, and Billy Cox, they got very funky on uh, Band of Gypsies. I will say that. Thank you for saying that. This has been another fun episode. Number 21, as I mentioned before, of the Middle-Aged Cool Kids Super Terrific Podcast featuring your pals. Dave and Jackie. And we look forward to seeing you next week 
America. Salute.